Hopefully you're coming from a, a good week. As you may remember, just a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about the topic, you know, just a light conversation here in church, talking about wealth, you know, just things that people like to talk about here in church. No, but we had a fun time with the discussion of how we can utilize uh, the resources that we've been entrusted to, to be able to bless other people. And if you guys remember, at the end of our service two weeks ago, we had the opportunity for a group of five people to come up, and we gave each of those five people $20. Yes, church gave away money. And, uh, and so we gave $20 to each of those uh, folks, and they were, at, they were given this challenge to exchange that $20, which was in U.S. currency, for kingdom currency, the idea being that we can use our wealth, if done wisely, to be able to bless other people, to encourage other people. And so we're going to take a second at the beginning of our service now. Aren't you wondering what they did with their $20? And so we're going to invite up the people that were a part of that challenge. You can come up here now. And uh, they're going to share with us just a little bit from their experience. And uh, what, only one of the five wasn't able to, to be here. Aaron was on the Agape Tour. And it was fun to hear his uh, story, and it, it actually made me chuckle because the way he exchanged his $20 for kingdom currency is there's a group of young ladies at a Starbucks uh, that, that he chose to bless those young ladies by paying for their drinks. And so uh, maybe, uh, maybe missed the idea just a, a little bit, but uh, he was exchanging uh, his currency for, uh, I don't know, something. But uh, Larissa... Yeah, so that's right. Larissa, why don't you share a little bit about how God stretched you in this exercise? Okay. Um, well, first of all, I was on a Agape tour, and there were so many opportunities that I had no idea what to do with myself, so I just kind of kept the money, and I still have it. And I, hold on, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Um, I added $50 to it, and she has no idea I'm doing this right now, but Megan Flagg, get up here right now. She is... There's this summer camp, Christian summer camp for Christians, <laughs> called Hume Lake, and she's having a little bit of trouble raising money, and so here's $70 towards that. <laughs> so if anyone wants to help, it <laughs> if anyone wants to help her, because it kind of costs a lot, <laughs> she's right there. <laughs> That's awesome. You want to help? Okay. Well. <laughs> okay. I, I liked what you said to be, before coming up here. One of the things that you felt like when the Holy Spirit finally oh, gave that okay. tug, you were like, all right, that's what I need to do. So, like, when the Holy Spirit really wants you to do something, you kind of get that, like, gut feeling. Well, I didn't really have that with anything else. And then Megan and Michelle were talking about how they were trying to raise money for Hume, but they're not quite getting there yet. And so I got that tug. And I, like, didn't really have the money with me at that time. So I couldn't give it to them, but I have it now. Well, now I don't, but it's... <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Larissa. So, yeah. Bill? Yeah, it was a wonderful assignment, and, but in, in keeping with John, uh, I just don't remember you giving me 20. I, <laughs> <no. laughs> love you. Love you. <laughs> Now, I was, um, I was attentive to um, all of my situations and was stewarding the 20 throughout, 
Um, and it just nothing lit up, if you will. And then last night we went to uh, a wonderful Steve Bell concert uh, down at CBS Studios that was uh, hosted by Biola and, uh, and CBS Studios. And it was a free concert and Bob Bennett was there and he did a song. And, and so it was just a wonderful time. And, and, uh, and Becky uh, turns to me and she goes, you know, you have to be at church tomorrow at 9.30 talking about this. And I go, okay, really? Great. Okay. So uh, then she called Larissa and Larissa said that she wanted to, you know, help uh, Michelle and Megan. And, uh, and then it lit up. So it was just that, that was the moment. So the 20 will go to Michelle, you know, who's like um, just a, an amazing young lady who just has incredible talent and just who is on fire for God. So I, I think that would be good. And then uh, anything else that she needs insofar as being able to go to Hume Lake will make up the difference. That's awesome. Very cool. So for me, can, I think this. Can I pause just for one second? Yes. I thought it was so fun, uh, and maybe this is uh, cheating on the care journal things. It was fun. I saw Jim's uh, on his care journal prayer request. He put, I, I maybe shouldn't say this, but he was like, hey, just praying for wisdom on how to use this $20. And I was like, that's just cool. He's really taking that uh, to heart. And so praise God for that. Thank so. you. Um, for me, I think the spiritual was the leap of faith just to raise my hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt a tug. And uh, right now I'm in kind of a period of life or have been for a short period of time where life's been pretty good. My evenings are free, my wife's going to grad school, and so I've got a lot of free time. So when you said you were gonna encumber me for two weeks, uh, this panic came over, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna lose my free time. Uh, not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the Lord was like, you still gotta raise your hand. And so I raised my hand and I was thinking, all right, no more surfing, no more golf in the evenings. What am I gonna have to do? <laughs> and. Uh, but it, but it came real clear with the money. Um, my wife and I are financial planners, and so my financial planner hat started coming on, uh, and numbers started rolling through my head. What can we do with this? How to do kingdom money? So I came home, asked my wife, and said, well, you know, what are your thoughts? I have a few ideas. She's like, well, I, I want to give it to Rachel. Rachel's a missionary in Thailand who uh, saves kids off the black market, sets up orphanages. And I said, that sounds great, but what if we could do more? And um, so I had this idea. We've been saving for larger quarters. We've got a nice little condo in Calabasas, but we're, we've been having a housing fund we're starting to build to. And I said, what if we took some of that housing fund and built a fund to where we could not only do this this month, but we could continue to do this uh, going forward and kind of build on it and grow with it. And she, she's like, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. She's already thinking, you know, houses and kitchens. And, but she said, this is probably something we should do. We, we're blessed. We, we have a home. Um, and so we're in the process of setting up an account where ABF will be the beneficiary, where we can do this monthly and kind of make it a Spock family legacy, where we could give away money each month and kind of figure it out. Um, and uh, so the initial $20 from ABF and Bill Barry is going to go to Rachel. So she'll be our, our first benefactor. And so that's kind of what we came up with. That's awesome. Praise God. Well, I'm Ken Cleveland. And unlike the rest of these guys, this was a very, very difficult challenge for me. When I was handed that $20, I I really felt a little overwhelmed with the responsibility of it, a little anxious, you know. And then I remember Patrick Scott's from Chicago, so he probably wrote down the serial numbers of all those $20. So now, (laughs) not only am I anxious, I'm paranoid. And... 
I'm wondering, why is this like such a problem? It's $20. And I prayed about it, and I'm thinking, you know, I pray about this 20 bucks more than I have all the other monies that God has entrusted me with. <laughs> and then it, then it hit me. I wasn't anxious about what to do with the $20. I was anxious about the lesson I was learning about all these years, I thought I had been a good fiduciary of what God had entrusted with me. All these years, I've given to the church, I've given to missions, because I know that everything God has, that has blessed me with is really his. I'm just the fiduciary. But what I realized is I didn't do it with a prayerful, with prayerful specifics. It was always, okay, this part is what we're giving to the church. And it was kind of like whoever happened to call the day I was writing checks got the money. So it was kind of like I was only halfway there. And God didn't redeem just half of my sins. He redeemed them all. So what this challenge taught me was it's changed my prayer life as far as my future giving and just being more specific on where he really wants this money to go because I spent so much more time on this $20 than everything else I've ever done. Once I had learned that lesson, it was easy. I felt led to give our, the $20 to the deacons fund here. Now, before you say, oh, you take it easy, I just turn over the deacons. There's several reasons for that. Several years ago, I had the privilege of working with, with Russell Heck as um, uh, kind of a co-administrator of the Deacons Fund, and I have seen firsthand, I have heard firsthand the needs of some of our congregation, the needs of our community on just basic things. I have seen firsthand the relief on parents' faces when all of a sudden they can get diapers, they can stay in their home for another month, and... They never knew where the money came from. And I have seen firsthand people from our community to realize that this is a caring congregation. And I've seen some of them, not all of them, but some of them come here and, and hear the gospel of Christ. And so I know that I'll never know what happened to that $20, but I know the people who are now in charge of that deacon's fund carefully and prayerfully consider everything and will use it to glorify God. And I know that the $20 bill, serial number JE565-8686D, <laughs> will truly change someone's life. Can you take that? Well, thank you guys very much for sharing your stories and, uh, and, and stepping out in faith. I, I like that about the, the guys being willing to take a risk and be able to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide and direct. And that was really the, the hope in that exercise is it wasn't the, the, the $20. It was more of what God can do behind the scenes with stirring and moving in your, your life. And what if we started seeing the multiple $20 that come across our hands with that degree of scrutiny and that degree of wrestling through hey, how's the best way to glorify God uh, through my resources? And hopefully that was uh, profitable for uh, us as a church body. I know it was encouraging. So this morning we're, uh, we're finishing up our series in James. And so I want to thank you guys for the adventure that, this is, that you've gone on with me in that, working our way through a, a pretty challenging book. Obviously not a, a lot of light topics. And it really, as I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking about uh, if you've, you've ever received a challenge or something that it was given to you that you're like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, that's, that's harder than I believe I can actually do. And that's, for me, I, I was thinking of just a, a silly one. When I, when I was uh, coming out of 
high school, I went off to college. Uh, maybe that's what you guys are facing. And I had this idea that I was going to be a chiropractor. That was going to be the occupation of cracking backs. You know, it makes people feel better, uh, you know. And, and so that was, that's what I, this is a true story. So that, that was the career path that I was heading, heading on. And then I was introduced to Intro to biology, those three words, which, uh, which I, I assume that would be a breeze. And I got the first syllabus on the, that the start of my freshman year and was saw this biology, and it was words that I couldn't even pronounce. I was like, I have no idea how I was going to do this. I remember uh, the, 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 the professor at the time, his, his name was Professor Phipps, and I was like, Mr. Phipps, like, what, where did you come up with these things? And, and, and I remember it was all also an 8 o'clock class, which also increased the challenge there. You guys will understand that soon enough. Uh, but, but I remember reading that and thinking, I have no idea how to do this. I, I can't do it. I, I just can't do it. And really, this same idea is true with this book of James, is hopefully that's the conclusion that you've come to as well. Hopefully that's the conclusion that you've come to as well as you start to see the different things that are outlined in the book, the idea of remaining steadfast, controlling your tongue, serving the poor, not showing favoritism, having good works to validate your faith, avoiding worldliness and the love of money, and then last week being patient amidst unbelievable suffering. Hopefully you go through that list over the last 13 weeks and you start to say to yourself, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And that's what leads us to this very last section of the book of James, and I think it's a fabulous way to end our study in this, is the realization that there's a key to this that's outside of me or you solving it. Imagine that. We can't fix this. We can't do this on our own. We're going to take a look at what that that text says in verse 13 of chapter 5. We're going to see what the key to our success is. But let me start by just praying for our time together. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this chance to wrestle through this book and to recognize our failing and falling short of your perfect standard, our desperate need for your intervention in our lives, and our desperate need for your Holy Spirit to guide and direct us in all of these areas. We ask now that you'd speak through your word, that you'd challenge us, that you'd stretch us, that you'd point our eyes on the fact that we can't do this and you are the one solution. We thank you. We ask that you'd direct us through this text. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Verse 13 says this in our final section of James. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed." Let's stop there just in that section starting with. Anybody notice a theme here as to what we're called to do when we reach a place where we're like, it's impossible. I can't solve this. What does it say to do? Pray. Pray. Now, in church world, we've maybe heard that a little bit too often where like, pray and read your Bible, pray and read your Bible. But it's so funny how going back so many times to the basics is exactly what we need to do. 
That's what we're going to see in the, the text here, is he's pointing out these different areas of, that we're supposed to just, when we, when we face that, just to bend a knee and just come before him in prayer. The first one is this idea of suffering. And it's important that we understand the context of this word suffering because the first when you read that, you would assume that it would be physical suffering. But the actual u- word that's used there is the, is the verb tense of the same word used in verse 10, where it's not referring to physical suffering, but mistreatment at the hands of others. Mistreatment at the hands of others. We talked about that last week. Uh, the, the idea of this, this persecuted body uh, where they're charged when we're, they're, they're mistreated at the hands of others. What is the response? Well, our world tells us when you're mistreated to do what? Get even, you know, get, get back to, to hold, how about this, or, or hold a grudge. Don't release somebody. They wronged you, you cut them off, cut them off. Here's the opposite of what Scripture says. Scripture says when someone's wronged you and they're mistreating you, pray about it. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give you the power to forgive, the power to move on, the power to extend grace that's been extended to us. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that area of, of release, releasing somebody when they've wronged us? So the first one he points out is this area of suffering. The next one might be the area of life that you're in. When we're cheerful, when we're cheerful, what are we supposed to do? What does it say to do? To sing praise. Sing praise. So many years I, I've heard people say, man, I wish, we, I wish we prayed more in church. I wish we prayed more in church. Have you guys heard yourself even saying that before? And, and, I, and I can see the point behind that where this is supposed to be a, a house of prayer. But I want to propose, what did we just do for the last 35, 40 minutes here? What do, you, what do we think singing is? What do we think that is happening? That's musical prayer. That's musical prayer. That's, that, that's what it is. And so, and so a lot of times the, this perception of, of, man, we're not really praying. Think of ador, who's, who remembers the acronym for prayer? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Look at, look at how many of those are covered even in our time of worship, right? Adoration, major piece of that. I don't know if you're, if you're like me, the confession piece only, piece only comes natural in that point of adoration. When you start elevating him for who he is, all of a sudden that starts being like, man, I got I to get myself right. And so I know in, in the time of worship, confession's a, a huge piece of that. Thanksgiving, is that part of our worship? Thanksgiving. So, so maybe just the supplication piece is absent, but not, let's not forget that, that when we're cheerful and when we're singing praises, that is prayer. We're praying to God. That's, that's the element that I wanted to point out there. And, and I think of so many, so often, we, we only associate prayer as the supplication point. But man, it's so much more than that. It's to give praise and thanksgiving when times are good. Otherwise, we don't want to be that person in the context of a relationship where we're only constantly pointing out areas that we want or need. Like, it, it has to be more expansive than that. I, uh, it, it drives me crazy. I don't know if you guys have done a theme park before with your, your kids. And on the drive home, after you've just allotted so many resources to- towards their joy, and what, what do you hear on the, on the drive home? 
Uh, but, but I really wanted to do the vector. I didn't get to do that. I, I really wanted to. And, and it, it moves towards the, the complaint rather than, what about the, f-? and I'm sitting there as, as if this, I'm like, but you got to do the G-force. You got to do, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't know if that is an actual name. You got to do the Titan or you got to do the Extremo. None of those exist, but wouldn't it be fun to name amusement rides? Like, uh, like uh, Extreme has to be in the title somewhere. We were talking about this. And, um, and so, the, but the, the idea being is that, like, let's make sure that we're not just focused on the, the supplication piece. Let's make sure that we're taking time to acknowledge who the giver of good gifts is. That we're taking time to say thank you when God's kindness is evident all over our lives. Are we taking time to acknowledge? It says when you're cheerful to make sure that we sing praise. To make sure that we sing praise. The next one there that it points out is the word sick. As I was reading a bunch of different commentaries on this, the one of the this is actually a, an area that there's quite a bit of confusion and, and, and divided amongst the church. I didn't even realize that until I got into it. That the word of the term here used for six, most commentators would point to the idea that it's not referring to physically sick. You're still talking to the audience that's been persecuted, has been beat down, and it's referring to those that are weak and defeated, not necessarily physically sick. Those that are weak and defeated. It's talking to the Christian brother that's been just beat up. The Christian brother that's just just weary and worn out and can barely stand anymore. Like I was thinking in, in terms of, uh, of the, the high school students that are in this, this row right here in the, in the front here, of existing in the public school system. Like, what does that do? Like, that's weak and worn out from going the opposite direction of the tide, the opposite direction of where everyone else is ha- heading. What does that result in? Just a worn out person. So it, I, I think it's fascinating here what it says to do. It says for that person that's weak and defeated and worn out, for that high school student that's been fighting in the public school system, to lean into the more spiritually strong. It says to go to the elders, going to them, asking to be prayed for, not trying to carry this weight on your own. So maybe one of us this morning shows up here and they're just like, Man, I'm just worn out. I've been, I've been battling this addiction area. I've been battling this, this pride area, this sin area, wh- whatever it is. And you're like, man, I just can't do this anymore. I think this text is a great encouragement to that. It's like, you don't have to do that. Lean into somebody else that's maybe in a better place. Somebody that's a little bit stronger. Lean into that person. And what's at stake here is, is huge. I love that it says uh, that the result of that, and it says... Uh, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Will raise him up. I, another text points out that the raise him up, the term means to wake up, to wake them up. They're weary, they're worn out. And just leaning into the body of Christ when we're feeling weak and worn. This, this picture continues when he says this last section, the last one that he points out, is the area of sin. What are we to do there? We're to confess and pray. See, I think this is a, a very uh, like neglected area in the church, the idea of, of confessing to other brothers and sisters in our sin. I, I think Satan has a heyday when we're isolated in our sin, right? 
when we're kind of in our own deal and we don't really talk about it, we don't really bring it up to nobody, we don't really have somebody that's holding us accountable. Like think how much difficulty comes from trying to bear the weight of sin on our own. What he's saying there is he, what he says in the text, what, is, what does he point out? He says, and he, if he has committed sins, he will be uh, forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This idea of, of mutual honesty and mutual confession, it's a shared thing. That's one of the reasons why we're elevating life groups as such a big deal in our church. We're really wanting to say, man, we don't want you to try to do this on your own. We don't want you to carry the weight of this on your own. And one of the, the, the things that comes from community is sharing this burden together. And I, I was thinking about a lot of people, this, this isn't something that you necessarily stumble into, finding that person in your life that you can share and be accountable with. It takes some intentionality, right? It's not something that you're like, yeah, I'll just, maybe I'll just spill my beans to this. Like, no, this, is, this comes in the context of relationship. But as I was thinking about it this week, it's not necessarily new relationships. It can be just taking existing relationships and going deeper, right? It can be taking existing relationships to the context that we already have and saying, you know what? I'm going to push the envelope in this relationship. We've known each other. A lot of, I, I, I love about this church is that we have a lot of people that have been here 25, 30 years, like a, the, just, the, the, uh, just the consistency and attendance and pattern there. But what if we started to get more serious in the context of those relationships and saying, hey man, can, can you help hold me accountable in this area? And push those a little bit deeper. I think God could do some amazing things through our existing relationships. The outcome, it says, is forgiveness. can be translated restoration or wholeness, victory. The outcome is an awesome thing when we actually turn it over to him. All these, though, come back to this umbrella of prayer, this umbrella of prayer. And I want to ask us this morning is, is, is what weight have you been carrying for way too long on your own? What is that thing that you've been just like, no, I'm just going to plow through this. I'm going to manage this. I'm going to handle this on my own. What is it? He's pointing out the full gamut. He's saying, man, if it's suffering, do this. If you're cheerful, do, move to this. If you're sick, he's pointing out the full gamut of all the things that prayer is supposed to fall under. That's the response. And he points out in verse 16 as he continues that there's a reason behind this. There's a reason behind this, is that there's actually quite a bit of power in prayer. Take a look at this. Verse 16b, it says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. This section here I think is fascinating. The idea that there is power in prayer, that it's not a pointless endeavor. There's a reason we lean into this whole prayer thing. There's a reason you've heard about it since your days at Awana that it's been elevated basically weekly all this time is because there's power in prayer. I don't know if you've ever had that, that miserable experience of getting into your car. You turn the key and what does it do? Absolutely nothing. 
Absolutely nothing. Can you have you guys been there before? Uh, that, that's just such a sinking experience. Last year we were driving back from vacation uh, in Ocean City, New Jersey, and the SUV that we had, we later discovered that the cable that was connected to the battery was loose, and so we're driving on the highway, cruising at, at uh, the speed limit, and um, and, uh, and and going along, and all of a, all of a sudden the, the the car just would just shut off. Just everything would power down, and you'd be like. All right, we're guess we're getting over here, and like we'd we'd merge off to the side. You got semis flying by, and you realize what was happening is this little cable that was connected to that battery was just a little bit loose. And we I try to tighten it with my thumb, and you know, like put my handy skills to work, and and we drive another. I don't know, half an hour and then shut down, back again. Like the whole trip home is exasperating, right, Adrian? And, uh, and, uh, and, and so the, the point, the reason I bring that up is that's so many people's experience with their God is that they're not connected to that power source. That power source, that it's, it's disconnected, it's loose, it's not really, there's not that connection point, and so we're missing out on so much. I just wonder if we're going to end up in eternity kicking ourselves eternally for not maximizing more of prayer when we're there. I don't know. Maybe there's not a lot of kicking yourself in heaven, but uh, you get the idea. But the, the, the point being is that there's power in prayer. I don't know if you guys have had little glimpses of that in your own prayer life. I'll, I'll share a fun story uh, from a, a time of getting serious about praying in my own life. My wife and I had some really close friends. Their names were Tony and Kathy Biagni, and they had a little white Bajan fr- something, frise. You guys know what I'm talking about? The one that you have to be pretty secure in your masculinity to own? Um, and, uh, and, so, and so they, they had this little, uh, little Bajan, and, uh, and they loved this dog. They, and you, I know we can relate with that here because I've noticed in California, we really like our dogs. And, uh, and, and so, so they loved this dog. It was, its name was Caribou. And, uh, and so I, uh, yeah. And so, and so they, they called us. We get a message. I forget where we were. We get a message uh, that they called, and Kathy is just hysterical. She's just like, you guys got to get over here. The dog's going to die. And, and at first, I'm kind of like, eh, it's going to be fine. So we, but we, we hopped in the car. We drove over. We met at the, at the vet for a little caribou just to see how the, the dog was, was doing. And something weird had happened where like its stomach like turned inside out or something freaky that I don't know how that all works. But, but they're showing us pictures of the x-ray and caribou's kind of laying there, kind of limp. And, uh, and, and we're there and both of them are like sobbing. And, uh, and, and Kathy, who's the more boisterous out of the two, actually both of them are pretty boisterous, but, um, but she says, she's like, you're the pastor, you gotta pray, and, and I'm like, I'm like, all right, let's, let's pray for caribou, but I don't think this little thing's gonna make it, and, uh, and so, uh, so Adrian and I, we get, we get kind of sucked into the moment, they're crying, and then, and then what happens, husbands, you know how this works, your wife starts crying, and then I'm done, you know, I'm in, and so we're, it's, it's a big cry fest, man, we're in this, in this little vet room, and I, I can't imagine the people outside hearing us, it's like sobbing, and, we're, and I'm like, she's like, pray for that dog, and uh, so I've got, I've got my, I've got my hand on, on little caribou, and uh. And, and I just start praying. I'm, I'm crying. Adrian's crying. It's a big cry fest. We're just praying over this dog and just calling out to the Lord to heal this crazy dog. And, uh, and guess what happened? 
No, it did. Like that, that little dog did, did a little wiggle, a little shake, stood up, starts panting. This is honest the truth. Like th- this, I got to heal a dog. Pra- praise the, praise the, it wasn't me, the Lord. But, but it was so cool. This dog went on to live a nice full life and like, yeah, what? It's still alive. Yeah, it's still kicking the little thing. And, uh, and, and, so, and so it was so fun just to see little glimpses. And I don't know what glimpses you've seen of God's power through prayer. That's a, maybe a silly one. It's still cool, though. And, uh, and, and so God gives us these little tastes of his greatness in prayer that he cares about even the little things like caribou that, you know, like he cares about the things that, that we care about. He loves us and he's saying, man, he, he's saying Elijah was just an ordinary guy. He says Elijah was a man with a nature just like yours. He was just the average Joe. And what did he do? He prayed for it to stop raining and it stopped raining for over three years. How crazy is that? An ordinary guy. I love the high school ministries in this series, working through some Old Testament stories, and it's called The Average Joe. Glad you're paying attention. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so the, the idea of that, that series, this idea of like, that's what the Old Testament is made up of, is all these stories of an average Joe. An average Joe, just some guy that, that God got a hold of, they called out, and, and in this instant that he points out with Elijah, is that it says he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? We're going to look more fully at the story of Elijah a little bit later in the summer. We're doing Jonah next week, so we're going to do some Old Testament goodies. And so, um, but, but the story, the point of that being is, man, are we missing out on the power in prayer. Are we missing out on that? Is the Bible just like God's greatest hits with no new releases? No. Like like the power in prayer, God still wants to do amazing things in and through us if we choose to lean into the power of prayer. Has the lack of our prayer stolen the super and just left the natural? Has the lack of our prayer stolen the super and just left the natural? The idea of the power of prayer, he points out here. And then this, this last section I, I, I love. So he's, he's, he's speaking to the persecuted ch- church there, and he's saying, man, you got like when you're going through these hard times, lean into prayer. But as you know, this entire section, the entire uh, book of James has been really teaching us about folks that think they have a saving relationship with Christ, but he's pointing out, man, if it hasn't invaded every part of your life, it's probably not a genuine faith. And so this last section in James, he turns a corner and he has this last little plea for the folks. So he's pointing out these areas where people fall short in their faith, but then he's saying, man, but let's make sure that we're pursuing those folks. So I labeled this last section our role in pursuit. Verse 19 says this, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back, a sinner from his wandering, will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is his very last words in this book. This is his last challenge given to us. He's saying, if you find that there's a wanderer Go after them. 
Get after the wanderer. Who's the wanderer? The person that maybe I think of, of Matthew, uh, Matthew 13, uh, when Jesus describes the parable of the sower where it uh, throws the seed out. You guys remember the, the story. And the seed takes, starts to take root, but then it gets choked out by the cares and worries of this world. And how many times we've seen that in the life of people within our own church? You can probably bring to mind a ton of people that you're like, man, I, I, I thought they were chasing after him, but they've just kind of wandered off. They've kind of slipped off the radar. They've kind of drifted off. And 1 John 2.19 describes this. It says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, and that it might become plain that they all are not of us. The idea is this, is the people might try to kind of check out the Jesus thing. If you think of it in relational terms, they're, they're attracted to him. They might have even gone on a few dates, but there's never that actual marriage commitment. There's never that, that dive, that never that dive fully in, and that's what he's pointing out in the text. We need to get after those wanderers. Get after the wanderers and bring them back. What's at stake here? It's a huge deal. It says that save his soul from death. Saving their soul from death. There's a lot at stake here. I remember in my high school years were kind of my wandering years, if you will. A lot of you might even be able to point back to your, a certain period of your life as a season of wandering. And there was a particular guy who was a youth pastor, is, and a lot of people can probably tell this story, similar story in, in their own life. A guy, his name was Bob Hayes. And I remember him, they, he, had, he, uh, he was an odd little guy. And, uh, and, but, but one of the things that I, I loved is he pursued the wanderer. He pursued the wanderer. He pursued this wanderer. He got after me. He got involved in my life. He was checking in on me, to seeing what was going on. He was trying to pull me back to church. He brought me and my friend Joe, uh, who's also a pastor now, into the, the, the basketball league there, making sure I didn't drift off. He was intentional about that. He got serious about pursuing the wanderer. And, and, and what an awesome thing. A lot of you can think back of somebody that pursued you, that didn't allow you to wander too far off. My hope this morning, just in this last section of Scripture, is that we'd bring to mind the wanderers that we know. The wanderers that we can think back to being like, man, I haven't seen them for a while. I haven't seen them at ABF for a while. What would it look like if on each one of our notes here, you guys have those little note sheets there, what if we actually filled in names and got intentional with pursuing a wanderer? What would happen if the 300 people in this room said, this next week, I can at least make a phone call. I can at least shoot an email. I can I'll, I'll even do the speak text. You know what I mean? Like, what, what if we did something to actually pursue a wanderer? What could God do through this group? I think it'd be an awesome thing. That's what James, after all these challenges, all these things that he's been going through through this whole book, he's saying he chooses to conclude this way. Man, pursue the wanderer. There's a lot at stake here. So that's my prayer for us as a community. One, that, that we, when we're going through these difficult things, when we're trying to figure out how to make it as a Christ follower, man, bend our knees and go to the only one, the only solution is God through the power of prayer. But then this last challenge of, of pursuing the wanderers. What an awesome thing. What a cool privilege that God's entrusted to us. What an awesome thing. Let me close in our time with prayer.
God, we thank you for this text and just the encouragement that it, there is in that, that even when we feel overwhelmed, that we can't do it, that we can't even drag ourselves another inch, that you say that we're to call out to you, that we're to lean into the other brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that this would become a community where that's happening, where we're getting serious about going deeper in relationships where we're willing to share and confess and encourage and challenge that we wouldn't try to do this as a lone ranger. God, I know that that's only possible through your Holy Spirit prompting and moving even in our lives. So I pray even this morning that you'd stir people out of complacency, that you'd stir people out of being solitary in their walk with you. God, I pray that you do that in our lives, God. And we also want to lift up folks that have made the choice to just drift off, that like the idea of you but never actually have fully dove in. I pray that you'd bring to mind folks that we could get after even this week, somebody that we could sneak in a phone call even as we're driving home from church today. God, I pray that this wouldn't just be another act in information, but it would actually move us to action. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love when there's immediate application. The text, as you remember, said if you're sick, if you're worn out, if you're weary, to be prayed for by the elders. I want to invite the elders to be up here in the front. If something's weighing heavy on you this morning, we'd love to pray for you before you go. Otherwise, I pray you have a fantastic week in the Lord. God bless you.